sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We just thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you that you are worthy of all of our praise and deserving of it. Um, and as we move into the message, Lord, I just pray that we would have open hearts. And I pray that we would be good hearers, but even better doers of your word, Lord. I pray this all in your name. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here today. We get to focus on the Sermon on the Mount. We get to listen to Jesus' words. It was his longest recorded sermon. I'm sure he talked a whole lot more at other times and, and maybe even carried on longer, but, but this is the longest one that we have recorded. Let's review just a little bit. Christ's reputation is growing as he teaches and performs miracles. Try to imagine the task before him. He, he literally is trying to change a culture, a, a culture that's burdened, a, a culture that's weary, a culture that's broken, a culture that is upset with the politics and the religion. He just feels so burdened. He spoke of a king, a good and a powerful and a long-awaited king. He spoke of the Messiah that was promised to come. He was the Messiah. And Jesus shared the blessings of living under a good king's rule. Nobody had done that. No one lived underneath a good king's rule. He systematically broke down their poor in inaccurate views of who God was. Jesus continued to paint a picture of what normal everyday life would look like living underneath the authority of God. A life that looks quite different from what our world holds dear. Jesus talked about a completely new way of living and a new way of thinking. In fact, it was based on a new way of being. Jesus was offering wonderful news for the broken, for those who are mourners, for the meek, for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and for the merciful. He was describing a strange but beautiful world. Today, 
in our text, Jesus is going to talk about having a pure heart, a natural progression for a kingdom patriot. Let look, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. You can follow along in your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Let's pray. Father, in some ways... Um, Seeing you is scary and comforting. Seeing you clearly, um, well, shakes us up a little bit. And sometimes we're just drawn to you. But God, you have said that the pure in heart can see you. Lord, as we open up this text today, we pray that your spirit would just be abundantly active. It would teach us. He would teach us. He would share with us. He would open our eyes. He would convict us. He would inspire us. We pray all these things happen, Father. Yet as we come this morning, we know, Lord, that, um, oh, for some of us, this week was hard. For some of us, there was great joy we look around in all of the world and we realize, Lord, that people are suffering. We would ask that you would be with the relief efforts, especially in Turkey and in Syria. We ask you, Father, that you would be with workers, that you would share your good news and that people would be comforted. Lord, I pray for comfort for our people, for healing. I pray especially for the Rahalik family right now as Stan is, is standing with you. He's with you, Father. I pray especially for Sandy and the boys and all the grandchildren. We pray, dear God, that you would give them comfort. We are so grateful that Stan knew you and loved you. But God, we know that those are in the hospital and those are recovering and those are in convalescent homes. And, and Lord, life is hard. There are those who are recovering from surgeries. There's those who, honestly, Lord, they've just been sick, it seems like, for years. One person of the family gets sick, the other one, and, and it just wears them down. We pray, Father, for healing. We pray that their faith would increase. We pray, dear God, that you would be the source of all their strength. God, I know that there are so many other churches that are lifting up your name right now. We pray for LifeSpring. We pray for LifeBridge. And we pray for Emmanuel. We know these congregations love you. We know, dear God, that that they are preaching your word and praising your name. We pray that they would be strengthened along with our people, that we would be salt and light in our world. Father, I thank you for the teachers and the workers downstairs, those that are holding babies and those that are teaching lessons from your word. Oh, I pray, dear God, that our kids would learn to love you 
with all of their hearts. We pray for all the different and various ministries, Lord, those inside the walls, those outside the walls that are coming up. We pray, dear Lord, that, that you would be honored. You would be magnified. We look forward to what you're going to do today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the opportunity to praise you. We thank you that we can gather around and, and have the cup and the bread. Be reminded of your death and your sacrifice. An opportunity to confess our sin before you and to remember so much of how you suffered. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to teach us today, and we pray that happens. We pray that I wouldn't get in any way that, that your word would be accurately shared. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. God approves of those who have pure hearts. For they alone shall continuously be seeing God. Pure in heart means you have a right relationship with God. You are clean and you are also listening. You know, throughout the scripture, the heart is used metaphorically to represent the inner person the seat of motives and attitudes, the center of personality, all of your mind and your will and your emotions, we would basically say the total person. In the scriptures, a person with a pure heart is one who is both clean and holy and undivided. The word carries both of these meanings, and I'd like to explain how they fit together in the next few minutes. You see, a clean heart is free from dirt. A clean heart is free from filth and contamination, and we would basically say from sin. Everyone who comes to faith is a new creation they receive a clean heart and they are ushered into God's family forever. How cool is that? Amazing the way that God graces us and loves us and sets us up and gives us the privilege to be called a son or a daughter. You see, our standing is never in question. Although there are times we do question it, especially if you're an Awana leader and, and, and you continually working with these young people as, as they're learning God's word over and over again. Well, I'm just not sure I'm saved. I'm just not. And you get the privilege over and over to be able to share scripture with them and encourage them. If they've come to faith, <laughs> they are part of God's family forever. But the thing that is in question is our fellowship. Our walk with God depends if there is unconfessed sin in our life. You know, I'm going to show you a diagram that so many of our folks know very well. It's in your bulletin right now. I call it the position walk circle diagram. It'll be up on the screen. 
And it's one of those diagrams that I encourage people to keep in their Bibles. I think over the years, I have used this diagram more than any other diagram in discipling and working and encouraging people, helping them understand how to experience abundant living. If you can understand what these circles represent, it will give you wings. It will give you strength. So let's look at this. Again, this is something that's just representative. This doesn't actually happen, okay? But you come to faith. You come to the cross. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You immediately go into two circles, a blue circle and a green circle. I call it a position circle and a walk circle. You're right there. As long as you, whenever you come to faith, you are always in that top circle, always in the blue circle. You're always a son and a daughter of God. No one will be able to pluck you out of the Father's hand. But where we get confused and where we lack joy and where we do not bear fruit is because we don't understand sanctification or that second circle or that green circle, the walk circle. You may have heard us describe, hey, are you connected with God? Are you spirit-led? Are you obedient? Are you remaining in the vine? Are you in fellowship? Are you walking with God? These are all terms basically saying, are you in relationship with your Father? It doesn't mean you're not a son or a daughter, but if there is sin in our lives, God is holy. And, well, our prayers, our conversations, we do not have a relationship with God at that time. Our fellowship with God is broken. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus Christ died in our place and gives us an opportunity to be able to go boldly into the throne room. In 1 John chapter, 1 John 1, 9, the scripture tells, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is one of the most amazing verses in all of the scriptures. There will be a time or maybe a time that once or twice or 10 or 15 times a day that you and I confess our sin. And what happens every time we confess our sin, the scripture tells us that we're clean. It restores our relationship. We're back in the green circle. We are able to bear fruit. There is joy in the journey. But as soon as we sin, we come out. And we begin walking in the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, it's, it's described there. So sin separates us. And what's really important is, is that we all do sin. But we have an advocate. And we're able to confess our sin. And we're able to get clean. And we're able to walk with God. 
So repentance and confession makes us clean and allows us the opportunity to experience God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, the prophet writes this, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so he doesn't hear. In Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? David asks. And then, well, who may stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. So it's critical as we talk about people with a pure heart to recognize that our bent is to run from God. Our bent is to sin. Our our bent is to be selfish and feed our flesh. That's our bent. And as long as we go that direction, we don't have fellowship with God. We don't walk with God. We are living life all by ourselves, in our own strength, in our own ways. A pure heart has always been a prerequisite for fellowship with God. Let me illustrate by uh, turning back to Exodus chapter 19. Now, now so many of you know what happened early in the history of the Bible and and recognize that way back uh, there was a guy named Moses. And God called Moses to be a leader or to basically represent him and help Israel be able to get out of slavery. Well, you've heard of the plagues and you've heard of the Passover and you heard many of you of how the Israelites walked through the Red Sea. And after they walked through the Red Sea, well, Exodus 19 comes. It's about two months after they've walked through the Red Sea. In Exodus 19, let me share with you just a few verses. Um, They're all camping. All about two million Israelites are camping outside of Mount Sinai right now. All right? And really what happens at this moment is that God wants to meet with the children of Israel. And he prepares Moses and talks to Moses in in Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. This is what the scriptures say. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses. So tell the people that they're going to hear from me and that I will speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. So Moses hears from God and says that God is going to come and meet all of the people of Israel. He says, before I do that, I want everyone consecrated. I want them to wash their clothes. I want them to be pure. They need to understand that when I come before them, they have to be prepared. And if you look over at verse 14, so Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship, and he washed their clothes. Verse 16, on the morning, listen to this. 
On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from the ram's horn and all the people trembled. Moses led them out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in a form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. So way back, all the way through the scriptures, whenever a people of God or people met with God, it was critical that they would be consecrated. They would be pure. They would be clean. You see, only the consecrated, the clean can meet with God and see God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the scriptures say this, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy or those who are not clean they will not see God. So Jesus was teaching from the very beginning. You know, I approve, I bless those people whose hearts are pure because they will see God. They will experience God. A person also with a pure heart means that he or she is undivided. This Greek term was often used for metals that had been refined until all the impurities were removed, leaving only the pure metal. In that sense, purity means unmixed or unadulterated. When we apply it to the heart, the idea is of undivided devotion, of single-mindedness and of pure motives. Or maybe we could say you are loyal and obedient to God. In Psalm 86, verse 11, the psalmist writes, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me the purity of heart so I may honor you. James 4, 8 says, Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You see, a person with a pure heart is focused on following God, which literally is obedience. Jesus himself said often all the way through the, the Gospels, he said, loyalty to me will cost you. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you want to be one of my disciples, Jesus said, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. You must be less selfish. You must recognize that being loyal to me, being obedient to me, will bring suffering. 
And I just want you to listen to me. Follow me. You see, people who have pure hearts have pure motives. They are not deceitful. And they don't have any hidden agendas. They do or don't do things in order to honor God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul writes this, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to God's glory, that we would magnify God, that we would mirror God. In Ephesians 6, verses 7 and 8, Paul is talking literally to a group of slaves, to those in that culture that had masters. And he was encouraging them, these are his words, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. No matter where you are, no matter where you're serving, no matter what place you are in life, God says this, do your work with pure motives. Serve me. You're not serving your boss. You're not serving your supervisor. You're not serving your parents. You're listening to me. And the promise, the promise that comes from having a pure heart is that they shall continually be seeing God, if I could translate it that way. Those folks with pure hearts will keep seeing God every day better and better and better. Now this starts right now, even in our sin-sick world. Your eyes and my eyes will be open to who he is and what he does. Intimate knowledge of and fellowship with God is reserved for the pure. Those are the folks who are open to his love and his grace and his mercy and his power and his justice and his righteousness. You see, when we see God clearly, it changes everything. We not only see God for who he is, recognizing his holiness and his righteousness and his justice, but we begin to see how God is working. And that gets you even more excited because God is at work. That's one of the beauties of being in a small group is to be reminded over and over again how God is working in and among and through you. Because there's times when things get hard. And times when, well, you don't see God working. Why don't you turn with me to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a classic psalm. For me, I go to it often. When there are times when, well, I don't see God very well. I think the bad guys are winning. Like, what use is it to follow you, God? And this is what the psalmist writes. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, 
And then the next line, to those whose hearts are pure. Then he goes on in a very vulnerable way. Um, He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I almost was gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so strong and healthy. They don't have any troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like jeweled necklaces and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and they speak only of evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. Whoa, down to verse 11. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? In other words, I look around And all those that aren't so pure seem to be making it really well. They have the nicest cars. (laughs) They have the nicest vacations. They have the nicest houses. They have the best job. What's going on? Why won't I get some of that for me, God? Verse 16, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. (laughs) What a difficult task this is. And then if you underline, circle, or do those things in your Bible, verse 17, put arrows there. Do whatever you can. This is what happened. He paused. Asaph actually is the one who wrote this psalm. He, He pauses. And in verse 17, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Verse 21, well, before I go to verse 21, what he's saying is, I finally saw you clearly. I I finally met with you. I, I came into a place where you lived and my eyes were opened, and I finally recognized how foolish all those people are. But let me read verse 21. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. Oh, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you, God? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. To those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. You see, there are so many times we don't see 
God clearly. There's so many times we are influenced by our culture. There's so many times that circumstances will cause us to forget who God is. And Asaph, he was struggling. He was looking around and it just felt like everybody else was doing better than he was. Life wasn't fair. And he comes into the sanctuary, he looks and focuses and clearly understands who God is. And everything changed. Everything changed. It was who God it was about God. And all of a sudden, in verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything else on earth. You've given me perspective. I now can see you clearly. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. I was slipping. I was falling away. I was starting to go a wrong direction. I was thinking the wrong way. God, you needed to open my eyes. You see, we are quickly deceived if our God is blurred or blinded. The pure in heart have their cataracts removed. Have you ever talked to someone who had their cataracts removed? I, I mean, they're like little kids. Do, do you believe? Look at this color. Look at this. I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. The pure in heart. See God critical in life. Now, what's really cool, and this promise is even better, is that our eyesight is imperfect right now. We know we see through a glass or a lens that is, that is foggy, or we look at a mirror that's not clean, so we see some of God's glory. But in the end, in the end, we are going to see God clearly for all of eternity. Right now, Stan Rahalik is seeing God right now. All that pain, all that stuff, he is enjoying his heavenly Father. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, this is what the scriptures tell us. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Whoa, Rick, that's powerful. Laundry. It has nothing to do with laundry. It has everything to do with those who come and are pure. Those who are clean. Those who are part of God's family. Oh, they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat from the fruit from the tree of life. So yes, we see God now. We see God dimly. We oftentimes need to be reminded of who God is. We stay in the scriptures. We open our eyes. But our future is so powerful. Now, you may question, and it would be a good question, well, how do I get a pure heart? How, how do I? I want to be able to see God. I want to be able to experience. Well, one way would be become a monk, abstain, and detach yourself. 
my guess is that's probably not the direction, okay? It probably isn't. I think a better way is walk with the king. Be yoked. You'll hear that term over and over because Jesus used it. In Galatians chapter 5, I remember I was back as a youth pastor at Moraine Valley Baptist Church back then. Now it's church. But realistically, there, there was a pastor there, Bill Johnson. And Bill would say over and over, his favorite passage, I think, was Galatians 5.16. And so I heard it over and over and over again. Walk by means of the Spirit. Walk, stay in that lower circle. You will experience God in new and fresh ways. Let the Spirit guide you and direct you. Jesus himself in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Then the shocking thing comes right after it, all right? It says, take my yoke upon you. Let's yoke up together. Let's do life together. You all are going to pull a wagon. Let's pull the wagon together. I will teach you when to stop. I will teach you where to go. I will teach you how fast you need to go. Yoke up with me. Walk with me. Stay in the circle. Well, how do you walk with the king? I think you walk with the king by repenting and confessing often. Repenting and confessing often. In Psalm 139, verses 1 and jumping to the end, verses 23 and 24, David says this, O Lord, (laughs) you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. And at the end of that psalm, his prayer is, search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a man that understood that he's blinded at times. He understands without a doubt, that sin is repulsive to God and restricts your relationship with God. And and so he's just saying, search me, Lord. Lord, I know what it is to walk with you. I know what it is to be yoked up with you. Lord, I, I know there's probably some blind spots. I don't want that sin in my life. I want to confess that. I want to repent of it. I want to move forward with you. I want to stay clean. I don't want to do anything that offends you, God. So how do you walk with the king? You repent and confess often. Secondly, you stay in the word and obey it. Jesus, at the very end of his earthly ministry, he had the disciples all around him. And he basically shared with them in John 15 
the word of God has cleansed you already. But let's go back to Psalm 119 and let's go back to David and, and Psalm 119 verses 9 and verse 11. Probably so many of you know this by heart. But this is what the psalmist writes. How can a young man stay pure? By obeying your word. How can you walk with the king? By obeying his word. And then in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word. You know what's hard in the church is that so many of us think memorizing God's word, well, that's for when you're in Awana or when you're a kid. Adults wouldn't memorize God's word. Now, maybe not all of you think that, but realistically, one of the joys in my life is every Thursday morning when I have my granddaughter over for breakfast. We make Swedish pancakes, all right, and then we go into our living room, and I say, Leah, what was your verse this week in Awana? And Leah will tell me her verse. And we talk about it. And we try to explain it again. And, and she's in a different church at a different Awana. But what's so exciting to me is, is that you want to have a pure heart? You want to walk with God better? If I want to, I've got to be able to stay in God's word. I've got to be able to learn God's word. I've got to be able to share when I'm getting tempted and when I need God's word. That's the power of memorizing. And lastly, how do you walk with the king? You're soft, so you repent and confess. You stay in God's word. You, you make it part of your life in any way you can. And lastly, you ask God for a clean heart. In fact, our last song, our last song that we're going to end our worship time today, we're going to be asking God to purify our hearts. But in Psalm 51, verse 10, the psalmist writes, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Oh, Lord, clean me up. Help me be loyal to you. Help me obey you. Help me do that. Wow. As I wrap up, Proverbs 4.23 comes to mind. This was Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man on the planet. This is what he writes, Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The above all else caught my attention. 
This is more important than advancement. This is more important than relationships. All these other things will fall into place if you're guarding your heart, if you're protecting your heart. Wow. At this moment, I'd like to just take some time. We're going to have the lights lower once again. And I'd like you just to talk to God, just to respond. What part of his word was convicting? What part was inspiring? Just take some time and you and God talk before I close in prayer and we finish with a song. Father, we know that you desire a relationship with us every day. That blows our minds, really. Why you want to be involved and, and why you care. But God, we've been deceived so often. We want to go our own way. We, we selfishly feed our own flesh. God, we don't want that. We don't want to go that direction. Would you search us? Would you point out anything in us that offends you? Would you help us listen to you better? We love you, Lord, and we want to see you. We pray these things in your son's name.